And hey everyone, you're listening to the Collabcast. My name is Marvin Yue, and for the next few days, we'll be presenting collaborations coverage of the 2019 Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, which ran from May 2nd to May 10th in Los Angeles, California, put together by our friends at Visual Communications, a fellow nonprofit, and the premier Asian American Media Center in LA. It was a great week filled with amazing films and stories, and we are excited to bring you some of the interviews we recorded with the filmmakers at the festival. First up, we have an interview with Elizabeth I, the producer and writer behind the documentary A Woman's Work, um, the NFL's cheerleader problem, an amazing documentary that premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival about NFL cheerleaders and their fight for equal pay with the NFL. A quick note that this interview took place during press day at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, so things might be a little noisy in the background. So please bear with us, but I uh, hope you enjoy. Here's our interview with Elizabeth. And we're here back at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival in 2019. We are here with Elizabeth I, the writer and producer of A Woman's Work, a documentary that just premiered at Tribeca. And now she's here for the L.A. premiere here at the L.A. Asian Pacific Film Festival. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So, um, Elizabeth, can you share us? I, I'm, I'm already a huge fan of this film, just for the synopsis that I, I've known. I've seen the uh, trailers and everything like that. I actually saw the Thank Kickstarter. You. Is it Kickstarter? Yeah. Or was it? yeah. Thank you. Um, and went on the live streams and stuff. But for the people who don't know about this film, can you share what it's about? In a nutshell, it's basically... Uh, a film that explores wage inequity through the lens of the NFL and specifically through the only visible women on the field that are largely unpaid or underpaid. Mm-hmm. Basically and illegal. usually. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, a little nonprofit that we know as the NFL. Which, by the way, I didn't even know it was a nonprofit until recently. So, there's so many layers on, on this. Yeah, the NFL, the the umbrella organization, was a nonprofit for a long time, and they recently um, gave up their status so that they don't have to disclose their finances anymore. Fun. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You're like more deception, more corruption, more ways to uh, pull the wool over people's eyes. That's, That's right. interesting. So, how did you come upon the story and decide to like make a film out of it? Right. So basically, um, Wei Gu, our director, she is Chinese-Canadian and from China and, you know, grew up in the one-child policy. So for her, she's an only child. And she just kind of grew up in this world where there was a lot of gender inequality. And then she was like, okay, she immigrated to America with her family. And she was thinking, you know, this Western way, this American dream of being a part of a meritocracy. You work hard. And when you work hard, you're going to earn a lot and accomplish a lot and that's that's just the way it is right you this it's totally different from china and then uh i think she came across this article having been a football fan she's like i watch football because i love the narratives of the underdog you know coming from nothing and then rising to this you know star status yeah and she was like wait what the women these cheerleaders aren't paid like they're not paid a legal minimum wage and that's what they're fighting for and i um you know, she sent that article to me, and shortly after we collaborated. Uh, but yeah, that's that's how the story came about. Wow. She and I, you know, got together and started working in 2014. I also found the same kind of outrage when I heard about this because you're like, oh, everybody always thinks like a story of wage inequity or um, 
But illegal employment practices happens in the shadows. It happens in an alleyway in a developing country. Something really tucked away, and you're like, oh, that's mm-hmm. outrageous. I can't believe Gap or whoever mm-hmm. is like taking advantage of these like people in a factory. But you're like, no, you actually, you, me, we all condone it because we sit there and watch it on Mondays, on Sundays, on Thursdays in our living room. Yep. And it's right in front of us. It's right in front of us. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a really, that's such a, I mean, for documentary filmmakers, I feel like that's a very different universe in a lot. It's film, but it's different than like writing a story, like a, a fictional story, and then trying to pitch it to a, a studio and having them fund it, et cetera. For documentaries, it's, you know, it's the truth, and there's a lot of secrecy, and there's a lot of like red tape and a lot of different obstacles that you have to go through to, I feel like, get somebody to speak the truth on film and then. You're kind of like fighting against a power in a lot of ways. Obviously, if you're talking about something like gen- uh, pay inequality and the larger subject of gender inequality in the United States, and a lot of people will be very outspoken about that for and against, right? So right. how was that making that film? I mean, you walked in knowing what you wanted to make. What was the biggest... I can't even... For me, I'm just like, how did you even go about... We're going to make a film that's like countering the NFL. I mean, that's a big force that you're going yeah, to kind I- of put on blast. I think as filmmakers, as media makers, we're kind of all throwing ourselves into this mess and saying, hopefully somebody's going to pick this up, so hopefully somebody's going to listen, somebody's going to hear or want to watch our stories, and it's just a huge risk. So I don't know if we or I actually ever stopped for a moment to think, oh, this is a huge undertaking um, against the NFL in that kind of way, but we're like, well, if they, you know, subpoena our, you know, our hard drives they try to take our stuff like they make us give up our content then they will so we made our backups and we put them away and and crossed our fingers Love that it never happened it. you just go out there and do it right yeah. i think every everybody that's here right now is like who's gonna want to watch my story you know we're the minority here uh-huh uh, but i think sometimes that can be to your benefit because you're like i'm gonna go make stuff because you're not really thinking like oh everyone's gonna watch this yeah Everybody who's making stuff is kind of crazy. <laughs> you're, you're just taking a fucking shot. It's yeah. crazy. And you got so, to. Yeah, we got to. So and I, think, I think that's a part of it, right? We found solidarity with these women as women, as people of color in the film industry. I think the numbers just keep working against and against and against us. And we're like, hey, these are women that are being exploited by a multi-billion dollar corporation. 100%. You know, and we're we're doing the same thing. We try to make these films, tell these stories, and you're like, man, as a woman, as a you know, family from refugees, you're like, will I ever have a shot where somebody's going to hear my side of the story or right. my perspective? So I think that was really important to us to say that it's not just, oh, they're just cheerleaders. They're just, you know, sexy hot girls that prance around. You're like, no, actually all work, you know, should be paid for. I know that I've been taken advantage of as an intern. You know, I was like, oh, I didn't realize till years later. I was like, I should have been paid for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. No, the NFL is has traded in people's bodies for so long. Even their players, like, yep. they all and their careers broken and and you know, like brain damage, whatever. It's mm-hmm. it's you know, it's it's up to artists like you like like your director to you know call out those inequities even if it's a thing you love you should still know that it's something that has issues right Right. it's it's okay to criticize things that you love yeah it's like kind of like taking i think that's what a lot of films whether it's narrative or especially documentaries it kind of helps take the rose-colored glasses off of things because we can't we got to be sensible consumers right i feel like there's nothing to take away from our love of sport and for being entertained by these like really high cat like big games but at the same time, if 
that's all we see. It's to our own detriment because those powers that be, I think, can really, they're everywhere. Again, not just in the NFL. They're in the businesses that we work for. And those practices, I think, have to be questioned. That's right. And you guys asked that question. You investigated that question. That's right. And that's why I think it's so wonderful that you did this film because now it's going to really offer a lot of space for other people to ask questions about their systems or their powers, right? That's right. How's this going where I am? And I think that's with anything, right? Whether it's Black Lives Matters or it's like the LGBTQ movements, all of those kinds of things, like women, it was the Planned Parenthood, like all of those are rights trying to be taken away right now. It's finding alignment with all of these different causes. It's not like, oh, I'm Asian American or I'm Vietnamese or I'm first generation or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's not like this insular thing. You're like, look outside of you. Every injustice that's happening out there, you're like, somehow it's going to impact you. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, you know, as we move towards 2020, not that I'm campaigning for anybody, but I'm just saying at this particular moment, you know, we got to see those injustices and know that that is going to impact us in one way or another. If you are a, a brother, a sister, or a mother, or a daughter, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know that th- this is a, it's a very um, sm- short degrees of separation. Yeah. Very true. Very well, true. I'm getting to wrap it up, Signal. So thank you so much for making this film. Congratulations on your LA premiere. And Thank you so much. Yeah, we look forward to catching it um, at the festival. I'm really excited to watch this. And also, side out, uh, shout out to Victoria Chalk, who is the editor. Yes. Of a, she's fantastic. And so I'm so excited oh. for And we just met the director as well. Oh, and Weegoo and Jin Yoo Kim and yeah. Sung Rock and Ali Newman. And there's so many people that help put this film together so thanks to everybody congrats there. to the crew yeah. you guys did a great thing thanks guys thank, thank you so much for starting this bye next up we chat with the filmmakers behind Empty by Design the closing night film of the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival you might remember us chatting with the director Drea Walter producer Astrid Chow and editor Brian Merrick in a previous episode of the collab cast we catch up with them along with the rest of the crew including legendary Asian American actor producer of Empty by Design and collaboration board member Dante Bosco. So let's hear what they have to say. Here is the cast and crew of Empty by Design. Hey everyone, we're here at the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival. We are here with the cast and crew, and it's a whole crew here, from Empty by Design. What's up? Hello. How's it going, everyone? Um, won't you all introduce yourselves and what you worked on in the movie? Um, I'm Madeline Humphreys, an actress from the Philippines, and I am part of the cast. Uh, Andrea Walter, writer, director, and DP. Yes. Dante Bosco, I'm an actor and producer. I'm sorry, Dante, have we met before? Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> some alley. Some club? Did I meet you in a club? Alley. 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 Ratchet. I'm a ratchet. Yeah. Uh, Robert William Risley, I'm the composer. Osric Chow, actor, producer. Guys, lean in, lean in. Uh, Brian Merrick, I'm the editor. <laughs> Here you we go, hair and makeup. John Banyaga, producer. Yeah, y'all roll deep. Family it's a, style. It's a Filipino yeah, film. Yeah, Filipino. Yeah. Filipino film. You know, we roll. 100% from, from production to press. Yes. yes. I love this. Yeah, so last time we talked to Drea and Osric, y'all were um, working on finishing the film in time for this festival. It's done. It's done. It's done. <laughs> Remarkably, we but it, we, we made it. Somehow. <laughs> How do you, you feel now that it's uh, 
almost going to be birth. See this big weight. I was able to sleep. Like, I felt sleep. I slept for more than six hours. Yes, queen. Felt, felt great. I think Amazing. that's just the biggest thing. I'm more relaxed now. I can enjoy the fest. Awesome. That's great. So for those listeners who, for some reason, skipped the episode we did together two weeks ago. There's no reason you. for them to skip. Yeah, no you. way. How dare you, first of all. But what is your movie about? They're all pointing at each other. We're all... <laughs> Dante, you have Dante, your turn. Um, Empty by Design is a, a film uh, about Filipinos coming from uh, the States and from Europe. Two friends that end up back in the Philippines as adults, and they were friends when they were kids. And so it's a story kind of about displacement and where Asians in the world, where who we are today, not feeling at home from the places we're from, and not necessarily feeling at home the places we are, and trying to find what that home is and where, where home lies. And so it's really beautiful film like that. Love Does that sound poetic a little you, bit? You say it much better than me. <laughs> I'm going to just use that. <laughs> Zip it and put it in your pocket. Well, Drew, I remember I met you when you were, before you even started filming, I think it was right before you started filming, mm-hmm. so you're probably like right in the middle of this whole process, right? Mm-hmm. And you're the writer, director, and DP. Yes. So you're like the triple threat here. You did everything but like act and edit it. Um, but no, it takes the village, I understand. But how did how did the story come about? How did you, where does it come from? Is it a personal story? Um, a lot of it's a personal story, and it's a mixture between my story and just everyone I'm surrounded with. Um, Osric's character, is, it, it follows a lot of him and Yoshi, personal ones, and um, Rian character, she plays Samantha, follows just everyone who has, I've met in my whole life. I went to an international school, I live in multiple countries, and I've noticed every Asian I've met, mixed race or full Asian, has this feeling where they're not really sure who they are. So I just pulled from every single one. It's not just mine, it's everyone's story. Love it. I love it. How was the experience? What was the casting situation like? So we have the... So uh, I play the elder sister of Rianne. Um, I, I, I love the casting process because, as you can see, it's a young production. So um, the perspective was really fresh and new. So I was so excited to be a part of a project. And as you can see, we're such a family. So um, it was an amazing experience. And it was such a great uh, way to start um, because this is my first time as an actress coming here to LA, so this was the best experience I could pray for, you know, or ask for. Yeah, that's a relief. Because yeah, 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 I mean, this industry is crazy. You never know what project you might land in your lap, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. So it's. Re- I'm really. I don't know. That makes as a fellow actor, honestly, really happy to hear that. It gives you the energy that okay, you're in the right place, or okay, I can, I, I can uh, get through a bit more of this because there's such good energy on set. Yeah. Cool. I mean, that's about like. Dante was the one that introduced Mads to us and honestly after meeting her she auditioned for us but she like jumped in fully and we are so lucky to have had her on our cast actually like, I great don't want great performance great <laughs> yeah and uh, great performance guys <laughs> super amazing no, so honestly, easy to work with she hasn't even with. seen it yet yeah, but great she performance hasn't honestly, it, but like, she's alright I don't want to I don't want to weird weird anyone out but I'm kind of really learning out and also like I'm so it's, it's really exciting for me because, um, first of all, I've been working since I was 12, 13 in the Philippines. And I was actually born in, the San, Francisco, in San Francisco, but I've never... Hey. <laughs> uh, but I've never really lived here since I left when I was five. That's why I can relate so much to the story of the film. Um, and to be here now and being part of the closing film, it's, I'm on a high. I don't know about you guys. That's amazing. I, I guess it's like a reverse 
MD by Design story, we're coming back to San Francisco <laughs> like 20 something years. The city's changed a lot. Yeah, oh, just a little bit. <laughs> and I'll be, I'll be here for a bit. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll see where it goes. Well, Dante, how does it feel as like the, the OG elder statesman OG. of the uh, Filipino American like acting community to see these young guns coming and like making this happen? You were there. Drea and Chris and Oswick were telling me stories about how like this was like a running gun type of like yeah. production. I mean, it's it's fascinating. It's it's great. Uh, I've been in the industry a long time now. I've been part of the whole Asian American film movement for the better part of the last decade, shooting films here in the states and in Hawaii with kinetic films, and so. The idea of to, it's time for us to not just be Asian Americans, just stick in America and actually go back into Asia, tap into uh, the beautiful and the beautiful power base that we have out there of not just the financial side, but also the artists in front of and behind the camera and uh, bringing these new young artists and next generation. And it's time to tell our stories. Uh, very lucky to, to go into Manila and, and work with a group like Signal Media that take, took a chance on us and see us young artists uh, telling stories and trying to start build bridges, bring Asian American talent into Asia and also to connect with the, all the great talent out there and then have them, like Matt's, bring them back or bring them for the first time into America. And it's our time, a new time of media, new Asian media for us to tell our own stories. It's really a fascinating and exciting time. Very cool. I love it. I think that's what, I mean, that's what art is meant to do, right? It's real communication, build a bridge, connect people that, and dots that did not connect before. I think y'all are doing such a beautiful job with that. Just from the premise of the story, I mean, there's so many people around the world, whether you're Asian or not, that could, I think, relate to that experience of being the fish out of water, not knowing where you come from, or having that full understanding. Um, Ajak, I want to talk to you real quick because you have a background in TV, right? Like you're, this is like a totally indie film universe. Are you familiar with that world? I actually don't know that part of your. Oh yeah, yeah. I how's that experience? I mean, as a minority actor, you, I feel like, I mean, I, I've been around for too long as well, and uh, yeah, too long. I mean, why? And there just <laughs> isn't that you know the roles that. There just aren't roles available for us all the time. So I'm too ambitious to wait around for them to come around, especially if they might never come around. You know, and we're, a we're in a fortunate place right now where things are starting to happen. But even last year when we were pitching around, you know, we, I thought we had a, an amazing package. We had a lot, of, um, a lot of people look at it and were very interested. But, you know, just that question mark of, you know, does Asian sell? Right. You know? Will and this it, do well? Right. And so I, I have to give, I, I give Signal so much credit because they looked at us for what we were, for our, our history, our experience, what we were able to do, and they loved the story we wanted to tell. Um, and they, you know, it was a perfect partnership. And we're so very, very uh, fortunate to be working with them, and, um, and we will be working with them again. They were absolutely wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. I think we definitely need to hear more stories like that, right, about people taking you know, a risk. And that's interesting because you have to look at it from the business standpoint of like what, but there are people who want to kind of pave the way. There's not, not everyone's trying to play it safe. Not everyone's problematic, right? Like it's really, it's really great to acknowledge people who, who see something great and like go for it. Right. Whether that's you guys as the creators, just like jump, go all in on it. And the people behind the scenes too, that like help make it be a reality and bring it here. Yeah. yeah. Like, Dante knows what we, we talk about that all the time. Yeah. yeah. Just like, it's it like really grateful because it, it wasn't just Signal. I'm, I'm the least experienced one here in the room. Joanne took a chance on me. Mads took a chance on me. I've been working with Brian since film school, but like I didn't even know Rob till two months ago. And it's just so nice to work with the guy I grew up watching on TV. <laughs> <laughs> it, just everyone 
it was so nice for everyone just to take a chance, not only on an Asian story, but an Asian female filmmaker. That was, it. I'm eternally grateful for that. Yeah. Get it, girl. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess we have one last question. Um, the last time we talked, you talked a lot about like the crazy amount of stuff that happened during your filming, and you told me a story about how um, Drea angered the rain gods during the shoot. Hey. <laughs> yeah. The she will never be forgiven for that. <laughs> um, do you have any favorite stories from the production that you want to share? Dante, you got one? Uh, we can just talk about I'm just, I'm <laughs> Can I talk about Go. Chris losing everything? Uh, sure. Ia Chris should. Pang. Chris Pang. Ia, can you tell us about how many items a day people would bet on that Chris would lose? <laughs> Were you there? Well, okay, so... <laughs> no, his vape. Yeah, the, his shades, the vape, his phone. I think he lost, wallet, like, three pairs wallet. of sunglasses. Three yeah. pairs of sunglasses, yeah. He's and It started... <laughs> yeah, that's why he's not here right now. We, <laughs> we lost he was, him. We lost Chris. There was this... Our key PA was taking internal bets on what's he going to lose today. <laughs> and he would come up to me and be like, Derek, here's Chris's wallet. And at one point, I'm like, you know what? He's a big boy. You leave that. <laughs> and it was mostly because, I have to give him credit, he was getting no sleep because he was doing press for Crazy Rich Asians, flying in and out. Oh, he was, yeah, he was not only good. producing our film, but he was starring in our film. He was working as the act. Like, I will give him credit, but he needs to find, he needs to put a tracking device on his items. Right. <laughs> um, also, I mean, there, we had a stunt in the movie. Oh, yeah. um, a pretty big stunt. It was like a 40, 50 jump, foot jump. And, uh, you know, it's my first time kind of EPing a film where we had a stunt like that where there's actual danger involved. Yeah, that was day <laughs> one. It was like day, day one. one. and It was kind of sketchy. It was super <laughs> sketchy. The guy was su- very scared to jump off the building for summer. We were rolling for like eight minutes and we're like, is he jumping? And everyone's like looking towards me like, hey, what... What do we do? I'm like, why are you looking at me? Because you're the director in that scene. You're the veteran. Dante was the fake director in that scene. Fake director. Everyone thought he was directing me. Like, hey man, boss, should we pull him? Am I making the decision right now? But so we we got through it. The shot's amazing. Nice. But you probably only had one take on that one. Yes, we had one take. Yeah, one take that took a long time. And extra, like a hundred extras, like. Watching, there weren't extras. They were just, they were just whatever. <laughs> there were extras in my mind. Yeah. It was so great. I mean, it was, it was stressful. That you, was a stressful moment. You played a director so much, people thought you were directing that scene. You did a great I'm job. I'm acting. And really now, meta. Really, really. Uh, but that was that was an intense. But that that was our first day, and so yeah. From there, I mean, it was super meta. So I play a stunt double of Chris, but I had a stunt double there. Um, so my stunt double is up there, and he was standing, and you know he. He didn't tell us, but there was some trauma from a similar stunt that went wrong, and so it was. He was standing up there for a really long time. I was, I had half a mind that I'm like, I just got to do it. My producer side was like, maybe I shouldn't, but maybe I should just to save time. I would not let you do it. Um, <laughs> we were just gonna do it, and then our stunt coordinator, Yoshi, Yoshi, just like, Chris, give me your clothes, and he like put on Chris's clothes. And he ran up there and he jumped Chris. off. Wow. So wait, what? So what is it? You were the stunt. You were so my stunt. stunt I'm a stunt double who had a stunt double who had a stunt double. <laughs> I'm just a dude playing a dude trying to be another dude. It's <laughs> my favorite movie. And that was That's day one. Movie. <laughs> that was day one. Well, we're so excited to watch. It's the closing night film at the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival. Go go watch this film. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. Uh, I know you got a busy day of press ahead of you, but. Uh, so excited. Congratulations, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for listening to Collaboration. Yeah. Thank you. Follow at 
Empty by Design. Finally, this special episode of Collaborations coverage of the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival with an interview with director Emily Ting and actor Lin Chen of Go Back to China. Go Back to China was one of the centerpiece films of the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, having its LA premiere after world premiering at this year's South by Southwest Film Festival. We had a lot of fun talking with Lin and Emily, so please enjoy our interview. Hey guys, this is Minji and Marvin, and we're sitting here at the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival, and we are here with the director and one of the stars of the movie Go Back to China. How dare you? Don't make me go back there. I'm not slurring. <laughs> <laughs> it is art. Um, but welcome to the podcast. Thank you for Thank having you. us. How are you guys having? How how's your festival going so far? Great. So far, so good. Yeah. Day two. Day yeah. Two. We went to opening night last night, which was great. It was beautiful. Yeah, beautiful film. And we're very excited about our LA premiere tomorrow. It's tomorrow on Saturday. Yeah. It's one of the centerpiece films. So yes. congrats on that. Thank yeah. You. So can you uh, quickly tell our listeners what the film's about? Oh, yeah. So Go Back to China is about a spoiled trust fund princess played by Anna Akana, who, um, after blowing through half of her trust fund, is cut off by her father and forced to go back to China and work for the family business. Um, And what started out as sort of like a way to regain her financial support uh, soon turns into a journey of self-discovery. So it's a real coming-of-age story. Very cool. I love it. And what a, I love the way you described it, Trust oh, One Princess. Yes. <laughs> Says so much. And Lynn, you play Anna's sister. I play Anna's older sister, Carol, who's the more responsible, mm. um, holding the family together. Budgets. Uh, the like. not black sheep. <laughs> uh, what would you call that? The white sheep? Yeah, the yellow know. sheep? The, 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 the middle sheep? The yellow just, sheep. Just, just the favorite, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the one who they're like, why can't you be more like your sister? Yes. Uh, Her. <laughs> So how was I mean you guys and you guys premiered at South by Southwest. Yeah. Incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. When did when did the whole beginning of this film start? Um I mean this is a story I've wanted to tell for a really long time because it's very personal to me. It's semi-autobiographical. Um, in that when I was twenty-four I did go back to China and work for the family business. Um, and ended up being there for over ten years, just like Carol. Um, so yeah, so it's a story that just stayed with me for a really long time. And after I made my first film already tomorrow in Hong Kong, um, there was a lot of expectations for me to do another rom com. Um, and I just felt like I couldn't move on until I told this story that was incredibly personal to me. So instead of writing another rom-com, um, I ended up doing this as my, my next film. Yeah, so I wrote the script in, I think, late 20, oh, in 2017, developed it for about um, a year and sent it out to actors that year. And then we shot the movie in 2018. In fact, we shot it exactly a year ago uh, like right now, right now, because we missed the film festival last year because we were in China shooting. Mm, wow! Yeah, so then a year later to be able to come back here is great. It feels like a little homecoming. That is, well, welcome home. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. It's um, you know, it feels like Asian American stories have taken over the rom coms, but now oh, yeah. I feel like there are a lot now that are also the story of diaspora Asians going home and yes. finding. You know, either finding their culture or finding how everything's changed or they've changed and, yeah. and, and exploring that. And I, I love those stories. I love that that's becoming yeah. a thing. Yeah. 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 And Lynn, you're also a fellow filmmaker too. So, yes. I mean, was there like a lot of 
uh, advice or like you know shared pains that you guys because I mean I think that's such a sacred thing to go through I mean it's such a unique experience yeah. right to kind of birth a story and watch it become an idea to a real real project or something that you can share with the world right yeah what was I it mean, like being the actor in this like, well it was very relaxing <laughs> you have a new appreciation for being um, just the talent yeah and having not having to bring everything and take care of everything but I will say um when we were on set, I already knew I was going to be directing my first feature film, and I was hoping at the time that Emily would be a part of it. Uh, she wasn't officially on at that time, but she was very giving with her talent, talent and her knowledge and let me sit around and be like, what are they doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? <laughs> uh, on my days off, um, when I could just sit there and just sort of watch what yeah. was happening and yeah. see it from that side instead of just like going off to either my trailer or like to a corner and like putting on headphones and Did you say out. trailer? Yeah, yeah not, in this, no trailer. not in this case. So. There was no trailer. Or my corner. That's why yes. I said my corner. She had a chair. I had my corner. corner. <laughs> my corner in the was toy Was it padded at least? Was it like... <laughs> But I can't imagine, like, what it would be like to do production. I mean, you did that already with your film yeah. in Hong Kong. So is, is that kind of, like, your, your comfortable space? And we already did a film there doing, you know, yeah, a film I mean, abroad in Asia. I think that's definitely become my niche. Like, oh, she's the Asian-American who makes movies in Asia. But I really didn't plan it for that way. It wasn't like, oh, I can only make movies in Asia. It was just because I spent so much of my you know, all of my 20s really living in Asia. That was sort of like where all my stories came from and the inspiration. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I kept telling everyone after two movies in Asia, I like just really want to make a movie in LA <laughs> next time because it's like, it's really hard to make a movie in Asia and getting it set up and flying people over. It's very expensive. Yeah. Um, I would prefer not to have to shoot another movie in Asia, but it just, all the stories I want to tell sort of take place in Asia, and I feel like, well, I've already done two. Maybe I should just complete the trilogy and make a third one. So I did Hong Kong, China. I think I'm due to go back to Taiwan, because that's actually where I'm from, yeah. to write a story set in Taiwan and shoot it there. That's a bit. My my brain's running too because well, like I, I'm also an actor, oh, okay. fledgling filmmaker, yeah. and I just, it's it's like such a still a relatively new world for me. So I have so much respect for both of you that you take on such a beast of a an endeavor, yeah. and you've done it to completion. And now we get to all see these these ideas that you guys had in your head. Now we get to see, watch them and learn from them. I would love to see your take on like LA though because it's yeah. already tomorrow Hong Kong. Such a beautiful like I felt like I was there and exploring oh, all the sites. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, I watched that um, San Diego when it was there. Oh, yeah, like, okay, a couple great. years ago. Yeah. So actually, I would love to make a sequel. It's still yesterday in L.A. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if it. you could get Jamie Chen and Brian Greenberg to, was so to come on board, <laughs> it was so lovely. That movie was so sweet. Was just, I know, yeah. like people want a sequel, but they're kind of like. <laughs> It was so perfect. <laughs> the way it's like we don't want to like kind of like screw up That's the true. first one by making an awful second one. It is so. a very tricky endeavor. Yeah. So many give stories. Give them like four come. more years. Yeah, I think yeah. give them some time, some, some, some space. space. Yeah. Just like what you did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nobody thought that Surrogate Valentine would ever be finished. Yeah. Until you have a little bit of distance. Yeah. And you persevered, and then you brought it back, mm -hmm. which is incredible. Yeah, um, I, know, I would love to have your your take on because I feel like LA gets so mischaracterized in like 
media, like, I would love to see what... Well, because I feel like we've only seen only a narrow perspective of L.A. It's like other people's ideas. There's so many other experiences of L.A. that I think, (laughs) yeah, like you're saying, it's very limited. So we would love to see that. Oh. <laughs> We're formally requesting it Me on the podcast. Me too. Tweet at Jamie Chan and Brian <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any advice for like future creatives? Like we, you know, collaboration's been a space for a lot of the younger generation to kind of find their voice and their path. Um, there's a lot of people who are interested in film, maybe feeling a little overwhelmed yeah. or daunt. It's a daunting endeavor. What do you? What? Are, what's your advice from everything that you've gone through and becoming a filmmaker and acting and and creating these projects? It is extremely overwhelming. I will say that I heard how much work it was and still, like, it's not until you actually are going through it that you realize, oh, my God. And so that said, I think you really have to just take it day by day, uh, step by step, moment by moment, because if you start to think about the end product, which, I mean, you should have a goal in mind, I think, but at the same time, I think it's, you can just stop yourself. And, you know, there's a real balancing act each and every day that you go through with perfection mm-hmm. and knowing you just did your best. Yeah. And so I think each day you decide, do I want to keep pushing or do I want to say, I've tried, I've tried, <laughs> and, and, and put your mental health first, which I think is important. Amen. And I would just say, don't let the gatekeepers keep you out. I think a lot of fledgling filmmakers, like, they look at this and they think, there's no way I could do this because I don't have agents. Um, I don't have access to financiers. I mean, I was so inspired by what Lynn did with her movie, I Will Make You Mine. Like, she literally did it on her. Like, we made that movie for so little money, and she raised all that money on Kickstarter. Yes. So we started out with nothing. And she went on Kickstarter and raised all the budget, and we got it done. So it's possible. Um, you know, like both of my movies, they were mostly self-financed or with, uh, you know, none of them were financed by actual, like, production companies. Right, and right. Rich financiers. It was like we cobbled together the money and, and made it work. So it's definitely doable. Or go out and make a short with your friends on the weekend. Like, just right. tell your story whichever way you can and like don't look at not having agents as a way to like limit yourself to limit yourself yeah that's super powerful well I've been advised (laughs) yeah go out and do it agents don't do anything for you I actually ended up dropping my agents it's really interesting yeah again there's so much to learn about the industry and about how things work and you can find some really good partners that can help really move things forward and sometimes you learn that, like, the thing that you thought was the key to yeah. the success of something may not be so. I think mean, that's very applicable to kind of everything, yeah. whether you want to be an artist or not. You never know until you do yeah. it. Yeah. Right? And I would also say it's you who has to drive it. Like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you could have the best support system and everyone behind you. But at the end of the day, you are the yeah. one who has to get out of bed, put on your pants <laughs> or whatever. And, <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to do that. But if you were to choose to do this pantsless, you would still have to keep moving. Get out of bed. You would have to, like, keep moving it forward. And it's all on you. Yeah. And so nobody else is going to do that for you. Awesome. Well, the movie is Go Back to China. It is the centerpiece film of this year's LA Asian Pacific Film Festival. We've been talking to Emily Ting and Lin Chen. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great rest of the festival. Yeah, thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. Congratulations. Bye, you. guys. Bye. Bye. 
And with that, that'll do it for this special episode of the Collabcast, featuring our coverage of the 2019 Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival. If you want to learn more about the films covered in this episode, we'll include links to their website and social media in the show notes for this episode. And if you get a chance to watch any of these films, whether it's on streaming or in a theater or festival near you, I'd say go for it. Uh, I was really amazed by the quality of filmmaking that's coming out of Asian American independent filmmakers this past year in the festival circuit. And I wholeheartedly recommend you all see these the way they're meant to be seen in the theater with a lot of people. And with that, uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another special episode of the Collabcast featuring the rest of our interviews at the 2019 Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival. We'll be talking with the filmmakers behind Origin Story in the New York Minute, We Gonna Be Alright, and The Ugly Model. So keep an eye on that podcast feed, and we'll see you next time. As always, this podcast is a production of Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in arts and entertainment. Discovering, elevating, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of the Asian American community. Um, learn more about our programs and events by going to the website www.collaboration.org. Uh, thanks again also to Visual Communications for putting on this amazing film festival, allowing us to interview the filmmakers, and for always supporting Collaboration and our programs. You can learn more about Visual Communications programs, um, including the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, the Arm of the Camera Fellowship, and more by going to their website at vcmedia.org. Thanks so much for listening to this special episode of the Collabcast. Uh, my name is Marvin Yue, and we'll see you later.